Welcome to Supply Chain Now, the voice of global supply chain. Supply Chain Now focuses on the best in the business for our worldwide audience, the people, the technologies, the best practices, and today's critical issues, the challenges and opportunities. Stay tuned to hear from those making global business happen right here on Supply Chain Now. Hey, good morning, everybody. Scott Luton and special guest host Ben Harris with you right here on Supply Chain Now. Welcome to today's episode. Ben, how you doing? I'm doing very well, Scott. It's good to be back. Great to have you back. One of our longest running guest hosts. Uh, we miss being in person. We'll be back there soon enough. But you have built quite the episode here, Ben. Yes, we do have quite an episode coming up. I, I don't want to steal your thunder, Scott, but we've got a some very esteemed folks uh, from the Atlanta ecosystem here that we're very happy to, to feature. So, well, we're going to dive in then. So, so what we have here, this is a special installment of our one of our longest running series, our hashtag Supply Chain City series, right here on Supply Chain Now. Now, we've been featuring for a long time some of the movers and shakers, the big business leaders that are based here in Atlanta. But um, wherever you're tuned in from, wherever you're listening from. You're going to have uh, a wonderful experience learning from these business leaders and learning a lot of universal lessons, insights, and a lot more to increase your supply chain IQ. So uh, Ben's a pretty modest, humble guy. Ben Harris with Metro Atlanta Chamber doing big things to continue to push industry forward, and we appreciate his leadership there. All right, Ben, I'm going to introduce these two guests. Are you ready? Let's do it. Let's jump right in. All right. We love jumping right in. So up up first, we have Stacy Key, President and CEO with the Georgia Minority Supplier Development Council. Stacy, how you doing? I'm doing well, Scott. Thanks for having me. Kudos mm-hmm. to you and Ben. Well, you know, with the other big part about who Stacy Key is, is she is one of the world's biggest Atlanta Falcons fans. Is that right? Absolutely. I love my Falcons. <laughs> love them. So we'll touch on that uh, momentarily as we, you know, Get into football season for real here in September. And then joining Stacy is George Richter, Senior Vice President, Supply Chain Management with Cox Communications. George, how you doing? I'm good, Scott. Real pleasure to be here. Now, I got to ask, with that backdrop, are you on the ground with us or are you uh, flying over the friendly skies right now? <laughs> Just getting ready to take off. Uh, that's what I figured this interview was going to do, right? Set me off into the sky. <laughs> I love it. All right, so we're going we're going to talk more about George's passion for not only supply chain but also aviation momentarily. But Ben, up front, we like to kind of get a better sense of of where these leaders are from as well as some of their passions and and their anecdotes of their upbringing around their, their upbringing. So Stacy, I want to start with you. Tell us a little about yourself, especially and you know, where you grew up and you got to touch on what made your upbringing so special. Thank you, Scott. Thank you. I am actually a native of Minneapolis, Minnesota. Mm -hmm. It is the great state of Minnesota. I've been in Atlanta many years. In fact, call it my second home. Grew up in the the cold, the snow. Love it, love it, love it. Obviously, but happy to get away from it, uh, being here in uh, in the South, in Atlanta. Additionally, one of the things, uh, being from Minneapolis, Ice cream has been one of the passions and things that I love. And so when I got to Atlanta, we opened up a family ice cream business. Um, You guys familiar with Brewster's ice cream? Yeah. Oh, yes. Yeah. You used to have Brewster's at the Falcons games. That was us uh, at the Hawks games. Um, We were were the Brewster's franchisees servicing this great uh, state. Some of the best. Some of the best ice cream you ever put in your mouth. And I got to ask you, so I've been to Minneapolis just once, and that's not 
not, not enough at all. I, the people up there are great. The weather is much different than what we have here, which is, is good and welcome. And the food, believe it or not, is delicious up there. Yeah. Um, what's the burger? They're known for the um, a burger named Susie or something where it's like cheese in the middle. Oh, it's delicious. You've, you've never not, heard? Not, not, no, 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 no. Now, I've been in a, you know, I'm a, I'm a Georgia peach now. So, you know, I'm <laughs> I'm the varsity, you know, so I'm a Georgia right. peach. So I've, I've transitioned that. <laughs> so, all right. So yeah. let me ask you uh, one more thing before we bring George back in. And uh, growing up in Minnesota in the snow and, 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 you know, there's stretches where snow's on the ground for quite some time. Have you mastered the skill of driving with precipitation, whether it's rain or snow or whatever else? Can you teach the rest of us here in Georgia just how to do that? You know, I've not mastered that because we, I haven't had much practice being here in the South, but yes, I, I remember growing up telling my friends, I can't wait till I'm old enough to uh, move from Minneapolis to get get out of the snow because I was so tired of the snow. But no, I have not mastered. I have little practice and love the fact that I've had little practice. Love it. I spent uh, two years out in Wichita, Texas, uh, Wichita, uh, Kansas, sorry. And it was the only place I've ever lived where snow would stick around for several weeks. And I learned just painfully how bad I was at driving in the snow. But hey, we there's uh, all types of other things we can be good at. So Stacey, welcome. And thank you. I'm, I'm thank so you. Thank you. Uh, delighted to be able to uh, interview you here today. And and I'll tell you, there's a buzz you bring to the to the uh, the conversation, Stacy, and that always uh, makes things even better. So, George, your backdrop, you're already kind of giving up some some information on who you are. But tell us, where did you grow up? And give us a few anecdotes about your upbringing as well. All right, Scott, I will. And in fact, it's funny with uh, Stacy's introduction. I always knew Stacy and I were soulmates, but uh, I think this conversation is going to confirm it. So. <laughs> First, uh, I'm originally from Montreal, Canada, uh, and so I can compete with Stacy on, on the whole snow front. Uh, that was uh, Canada, Montreal in particular, uh, had some very long winters. Um, and, uh, and then the other thing uh, that I think is fascinating about Stacy's introduction uh, and how it connects to me is I also uh, opened one of the very first Ben & Jerry's franchises in Montreal. And wow. I will tell you, that was not one of my best ideas. <laughs> was not one of my best ideas, um, but it was probably one of the experiences just from a business learnings perspective that I learned the most from, uh, learned a lot about myself, uh, but ultimately did not keep the store open uh, as uh, as it's a long, cold winter in Montreal, and that leaves you a very short season to be selling ice cream. So what you're saying, George and Stacy, is we could talk I, uh, uh, ice cream supply chain uh, as needed, maybe on a future episode. There you Absolutely. go. Absolutely. Absolutely. That, that we might need a future uh, franchising episode here, Scott. This That's is amazing. Right. Yeah. Brewsters and, and uh, uh, Ben and Jerry's, which, by the way, Cherry Garcia, one of my favorite things. That's of all my time. favorite as well. Absolutely. <laughs> so, all right. So, George, grow, uh, how long did you live in Montreal? Uh, when, when did you come to Georgia, I guess? Oh, well, let's see. I moved to the United States in 1996, and I'm not good enough at math to figure out how old I was, but I was, you know, uh, I was in my career by by that time. Uh, and then uh, I moved, I originally, when I first moved to the States, I moved to New York. Uh, I was actually living in Long Island, um, and uh, which is a very unique place to live. And we could have a whole episode on what it's like to live in Long Island. Spent about five years there. And then the company that I uh, relocated to the States to join, a company by the name of Arrow Electronics, um, actually uh, moved their head office from Melville, New York to uh, Denver, Colorado. So I had the opportunity to move to Denver and spent about 10 years living in Denver. And that wow. was spectacular, uh, just a great lifestyle state. 
Uh, you spend a lot of time outdoors in Denver. Um, so I got into climbing mountains. They have 54 peaks there that are 14,000 feet or above. When I lived there, I climbed 26 of the 54 uniquely um, and thought I was just going to keep working my way through all of them. And then all of a sudden, I got this call. And next thing you know, I'm joining Cox Communications. Uh, didn't know anything about the cable business. Um, was never expecting to move to Atlanta, Georgia. And that was about 13 years ago. So I've been in Atlanta now for about 13 years. Well, so I got to ask you one more follow-up question. There, there's so much between what you and Stace have already shared, and we could spend several hours on y'all's background, your journey. But so clearly you have a passion for flying. So tell us a little bit about your preferred aircraft and maybe an activity or two that you've been doing in the plane. Sure. Well, maybe I'll, I'll take a minute just to get you a sense of how I got into flying. Um, this wasn't one of those lifelong passions for me. In fact, I wasn't even, I don't think as a kid, I was one of those kids that dreamed of, you know, becoming a pilot. It really wasn't something that I thought about. Um, a couple of years ago, I guess probably three, four years ago, um, my son was halfway through um, a um, aerospace engineering program at Georgia Tech. And he came home at the beginning of summer and he said, you know, dad, I'm going to have a lifetime of internships and jobs. And I said, yes, son, I hope so. And he said, but that's not what I want to do this summer. I think we should get our pilot's license. Wow. And I'm pretty oh, sure wow. the we was he wanted my credit card. And so, <laughs> um, so that got me into it. I, I took a discovery flight with my, with my son uh, a couple of weeks after he uh, announced that. And a discovery flight's a crazy thing. They literally let you get in the plane. In the pilot side, you have a, a, a flight instructor with you as a co-pilot, um, and they let you fly the plane. You've never even been inside one before, and they let you fly the plane. And if I was going to be completely honest, it scared the crap out of me. Um, and it's only because I'm competitive and I wasn't going to let my son do this, uh, you know, and 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 bail out uh, that I that I stuck with it. Uh, and so I got my private pilot's license, I got my instrument rating, and then I got a commercial pilot's license. Uh, and then along the way, um, I'm actually on my third plane. Uh, and what I'm currently flying is a, is a Piper Malibu Matrix, a PA-46 350T. Uh, and it's a six-seater single-engine plane, uh, has a ceiling of altitude ceiling of about 25,000 feet, an all-glass cockpit. Uh, so it's a, she's, a really, she's a really pretty uh, and, and fast, relatively speaking, fast plane. Um, and so in terms of recent flying, uh, of course, Hurricane Ida uh, just just blew through Louisiana, uh, as almost everybody that I'm sure watches this will will have heard about and read about. Uh, and Louisiana is a big market for Cox. We are very big in Baton Rouge and, and New Orleans. And so I had the opportunity to sign up with two organizations. There's a group called Aerobridge that organizes getting supplies like water, cleaning supplies, diapers, just the basic necessities that people aren't going to have access to. Um, and uh, so I flew from Atlanta to Pensacola to pick up uh, supplies uh, from Aerobridge, and then I delivered them to Gao in uh, Louisiana. Uh, and then the second organization I was able to to, to support was a, a group called Operation Airdrop. And what they focus on after natural disasters is barbecue. And apparently you cannot recover from a natural disaster unless you get some barbecue. And so uh, I flew from Gao to Hammond and there's an organization, a volunteer organization that cooks barbecue in massive quantities. Uh, I was able to bring six containers that weighed about 45, 50 pounds a piece uh, in my plane. And I dropped it off in Homa, you can't say Huma, which is how it's spelled. You got to say Homa. 
Uh, and so Homa, Louisiana, uh, which was a very hard hit area and also happens to be a Cox market. Uh, and I had the privilege of delivering the barbecue to the Cajun Navy. Uh, they were organizing uh, food, you know, for, for local residents. And we believe we brought enough food to feed about 1300 people. Wow. That is, uh, okay. is tremendous. And, you know, of course, there's a lot more efforts like that going into place to take care of these folks that continue to hurt. And it's going to be, a, unfortunately, it's a long-term process, right? It's very complex, the different levels of, of needs and whatnot. So appreciate what you were, you and, and all of your uh, colleagues there have done, George, um, and look forward to learning a lot more in the weeks ahead. So Ben, as I mentioned, we could spend all day, I think, talking with the oh journey of Stacy and George thus far, but where are we going next? Just fascinating, George. First of all, Stacy, I know so much about your background, but obviously about the franchising piece, just amazing there. So that's that's crazy that you guys have that in common. But let's talk about a little more about you know, kind of understanding your roles and your organizations. Um, Stacy, let's start with you. You know, what is GMSDC? You know, what does it stand for? And then, you know, could you tell us a little more about what its core mission really is? Absolutely, Ben. Thank you. And so the Georgia Minority Supplier Development Council, GMSDC, is a 46-year-old organization, a not-for-profit organization that was founded by corporations. In fact, Cox Enterprises was one of our founders. Okay. Yeah, that's a connection that George and I have. Uh, Cox, the Coca-Cola company, West Rock, uh, Southern Company, some to name a few of the companies that came together and decided that they wanted to open up their supply chain to minority businesses. And so they formed this organization to support their efforts and uh, 46 years ago. And so GMSDC's sole mission is to connect minority businesses to corporations like Cox to do business. That's what we do all day. And we do that under some pillars. We certify. We certify that you are a ethnic minority business. We develop, making sure we develop you because they come in all sizes and shapes, businesses, making sure you have the capacity, the competency, and the capability. We connect. It's difficult for a small business to get on the radar of a Cox Enterprises or a Coca-Cola or a Southern Company. We make those connections for you. And then lastly, we advocate on behalf for uh, minority and small businesses and all that we do, making sure the policies, the procedures, the practices are small business, minority business friendly. That's what we do every single day. And I will tell you, I joined this organization uh, 14 years ago and I wake up every single day excited about the impact that we bring. You know, think about the jobs and the billions of dollars and the impact we've had on communities of color. It doesn't get any better every single day. Wow. And it's great to have you. Of course, one of the best divisions, you know, here in Georgia. It's just phenomenal what you've done, you know, for us as a state. And we really, really appreciate that support. George, take it over to you. You know, tell us a little more about pretend our audience as as they are not, you know, all Georgians here. Tell us about Cox Communications and kind of, you know, how does Cox Communications fit into the larger Cox Enterprises out there? Obviously a huge multi-million dollar company, but and you, and you kind of control one piece of that, right? Well, actually, for supply chain, uh, my organization manages and supports supply chain for the entire enterprise. 
Uh, that's oh, fantastic. Made. Yeah, that's a change that we made. It was just a little bit before uh, the pandemic hit. In fact, we were busy mm-hmm. having conversations with our employees talking about bringing three separate teams together. There was a Cox communication supply chain team, a Cox automotive supply chain team, a Cox enterprise supply chain mm-hmm. team. And we were going to bring everybody together. And then next thing you know, COVID hit and we were all working remotely and and, uh, bringing new teammates on board and even new people to the company who have never stepped foot inside a Cox office yet. And just just a very interesting time. But in terms of Cox Communications, actually, um, it's it's not unusual for people that even live in Atlanta to not know anything about Cox Communications. Uh, We are the third largest cable company in the United States. We have about six and a half million residential customers. We have over a million business customers. um, And we just deliver um, incredible products, probably one of the most important. And again, uh, sort of in the context of the world that we now live in with the pandemic, uh, we have just an absolutely fabulous network uh, that allows us to deliver high-speed broadband connections to our customers. We also offer video products. We've got home security, home automation. I mean, we've got a whole, you know, the telephone, we've got a whole host of products, but our network and our ability to connect America in this environment where everybody had to suddenly change the way they worked was uh, was was really a big deal. Uh, so that's a very significant part of the overall Cox Enterprise business portfolio. Um, Cox Enterprises is also a very significant uh, player in the automotive industry. Uh, there is a good chance that if you buy a new car or a used car in the United States, somewhere, somehow, you are touching some product uh, that, that is part of Cox Automotive. There's two, well, two big pieces. There's, there's man Mannheim Auto Auction. Mannheim Auto Auction is the largest uh, auction company in North America. And then there is uh, a whole portfolio of of, uh, platforms and software products uh, that Cox Auto uh, 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 builds, uh, develops, deploys, and and supports customers with. A couple that you might be familiar with, AutoTrader. Uh, AutoTrader was was really a revolutionary transition from from back when they used to list cars, you know, in newspaper classifieds or in in, in printed books. You'd go to the supermarket to pick up the book to take a look at all the cars that you might want to buy out there. Uh, AutoTrader was really the first push into putting that online and leveraging the internet and just changing the way that people thought about buying and selling used cars. Um, and then they have a whole host of of software products where they support dealers. Uh, marketing cars, selling cars, managing the transactions related to cars, all of that are sort of products that uh, that Cox Automotive delivers to their customers. Yeah, and- back before Auto Trader was pushed online and became that uh, trailblazer, if you were interested in that 1982 Buick Riviera in uh, LaGrange, Georgia, you had to fax, <laughs> fax their, your interest to the owner, right? Uh, so they sped up, they overhauled all of that, they- making transactions a lot, lot more efficient. Yeah, easier. They, they really did. And just just getting getting visibility to more people, you know, making it possible for individuals to market their cars, making it possible for dealerships to think about how they market their cars. I mean, you can literally as a, if you wanted to open a used car lot in in Atlanta, Georgia, you could subscribe to a whole host of services from Cox Automotive that would tell you what cars people want to buy in this, you know, in the, in this part of the world. Uh, they would they would facilitate how you could buy them through the auctions. They would help you finance the cars on your lot. They would let you market the cars. 
uh, to customers. I mean, it really is an incredible suite of products. And then we've got Cox Enterprises. I, I do want to just touch on Cox Enterprises sure. for a minute. Uh, first of all, it's the connection back to the family. Uh, Cox is still a, a family-owned, 100% family-owned business. Um, Alex Taylor, who is, I think, the great-great-grandson of uh, Governor James Cox, who founded Cox, um, is, is the CEO of Cox Enterprise. Yeah. And it's yeah. just, just incredible to have a family run business and they uh, the values that they uh, believe in and make sure that okay. they uh, push through the whole organization that all of their employees yeah. subscribe to um, and how important the communities that we operate yeah. in are to Cox. And it, it, it all comes from the connection back to the family. So Cox Enterprises um, also has a portfolio of businesses. And one of the areas that they're very focused on is, is green tech. Um, and so they are making all kinds of investments in green tech companies. Uh, and just to give you an example, there's a company that they recently finished the acquisition in called Bright Farms. And what Bright Farms does is they do uh, sustainable farming in greenhouses close to the communities where they sell the products. Uh, and that is a huge change to the way that produce uh, gets produced. And most of the produce that gets consumed is 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 grown in areas like California and then shipped all across the country. It's incredibly inefficient. Um, it, it's it's got risk associated to it in terms of how product can get contaminated. Right. Uh, it's got a tremendous amount of waste. And and so this is just a revolutionary way to change how that whole supply chain works. Um, and right. the Cox Enterprise has a huge commitment to the uh, to the environment. Well, as we all know, it also has a shelf life, right? It's, it's it not does. like a uh, a box of tissues that can, you know, yep. can if there's a mishap, no worries, it's not going to spoil. That produce market is fascinating. The produce supply chain, as is the flower um, supply chain, yep. which uh, we learned a little more about earlier. Okay, so there's so much uncovered here, Ben. But I want to stick with Stacy. I want to go back to Stacy here. Four to six years of legacy of of moving the needle, truly moving the needle. And gosh, who doesn't believe Stacy when she says she jumps out of bed every morning, delighted to do what she does? Uh, you, hey, you've got us hooked. Uh, I believe you. Let's talk about the key benefits of gain of, of becoming GMSDC certified. Can you can you sh- walk us through that a bit? Yes. And so you know, certification is a process because we're validating that you are uh, the company is owned, managed, and controlled by a a ethnic minority business owner. But, but the true benefit, it's not the process. The process is just an investment. The true benefit is that you get connections to companies like Cox. You get connections to companies like Delta Airlines and helping you open that door and sharing your story with, um, with companies, the, the iconic companies that we have here. We have over 400 companies, global brands that you know and love that are part of a family that we can introduce and share your story to. It is difficult for someone to get that kind of an access. And so the real benefit is that you get access to corporations, you get some training and development, you make build some relationships, and ultimately you grow your business because that's what this is about. It's growing minority businesses and creating wealth in communities of color. I love that, Stacy. Relationships matter, um, perhaps more so than ever before. And as we all know, you know, if you don't have that access, if founders, entrepreneurs, business leaders don't have that access to to tap mm-hmm. in those relationships, they are oftentimes it's not harder. at the table and and yep. missing out. So I love that uh, big benefit of 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 getting involved in GMSDC. So let's talk about definitions. It sounds like when it comes, it sounds like your organization focuses on, as you put it, the ethnic minorities, right? There's all kinds MBEs. of MBEs. 
MBEs, MBEs. Minority, business Inter- minority Business Enterprises. Gotcha. Yes. Okay. So let's talk about how you define small business. And let's talk about what your views are on when it comes to small uh, supply chain for, for small business versus supply chain for, for bigger organizations. Speak to us about that a little bit. So there's several certifications, and George is very, very familiar. Uh, You've got women-owned certification. You've got veteran-owned. You've got small disadvantaged business. So there's several certifications. And based on your business and your business model, you decide what's best for you and how to help you with your strategy of growing the business. Uh, I encourage people to to do the research, to, to understand what's best for you. And you get many times people, companies get multiples because I can leverage it from multiple directions uh, in terms of my business. And so I, we encourage that all the time. Look at multiple certifications to grow your business. It's got to be part of your core strategy and who you are. Mm. And government certifications as well. Uh, DBE uh, certifications or veterans, I, I encourage, we encourage that that part of the certification process as well. So if you do your homework, there's there's something for everybody out there. And, and, and you got to make sure it's an important part of, of your overall your strategy. strategy. Yeah. Absolutely. So any other thoughts when it comes to supply chain and opportunities for okay. folks that may be involved in supply chain businesses? And so from a supply chain perspective, we don't, we don't, we look at all of them as equal. You know, George has a supply chain as large as it is, he has one. Other companies, depending on sizes, we look at them equal. We're trying to bring suppliers to him. My job is to make George successful. That's what I do. I bring him suppliers to achieve his goals and to help build uh, Cox Enterprise. Cox, yeah, that's what I do. That's a great point. And I think it's oftentimes overlooked because while you, what I'm hearing here, and correct me if I'm wrong, uh, mm-hmm. as my uh, dear wife, Amanda, reminds me daily, that happens all the time, uh, probably <laughs> hourly. But Stacy, clearly you're the advocate of, of the MBEs and, and helping to bring them into conversations right. and opportunities. However, as you just pointed out, what is oftentimes overlooked is that the bigger organizations can benefit immensely. New ideas, new innovations. Uh, Absolutely. Right. Speak to that a little bit. Okay. So Scott, technically I work for George. GMSDC is a corporate member organization. They're members. They choose to be a part of this family and this ecosystem. And so my job every day and my staff and my team is to help every corporation be successful. So George has a need George says, Stacy, I need assistance. My job is to help all the corporations be successful while bringing minority suppliers to the table to help them achieve the missions of the organization. That's what I do all day, every day. And that's our soul. Everything is, is centered around helping our corporations be successful. Wow. I love that. Okay. So George, on that note, talk to us. You've kind of laid out the organizational structure a little bit, but talk a little more about supply chain operations at Cox Communications and, and also touch on Gosh, we all know 2020 and 2021 have changed us personally. They've changed us professionally. They've changed us organizationally. Speak to some of the changes after you kind of shed a little more light on what supply chain looks like at Cox. Sure. Um, and maybe I'll just a uh, brief comment on, on what Stacy was talking about. I think pretty much um, everybody, including all of us on this call, actually work for Stacy. Um, the <laughs> one thing that Stacy uh, didn't call out uh, that that is a big part, from my perspective, a big part of what she does and what the GMSDC, D, GMSDC does is, is making sure to hold us accountable. And when I say us, it is 
the large companies out there, uh, the people that have these big supply chains. Uh, and as Stacy says, she finds us those opportunities. Where are those suppliers? Where are those people that are going to come in and make our business better and more successful and more competitive? And in order to do that, we really have to focus on it. It doesn't happen organically. And there's a whole bunch of reasons why that we could talk about, but it doesn't happen organically. And it's so important to make sure that we are figuring out why that's the case and how do we break those barriers down. Uh, and uh, there's a big part of, from my perspective, what Stacy does is she holds me accountable. She makes sure that we've got programs and policies in place, that we have a focus on it, that we have back it up with real action. And I just think that's that's incredibly important part of the role that she plays and so just a comment on on uh, on what she's what she's doing. And I'm pretty sure I work for Stacy. Hey, I'm delighted to work for Stacy. Uh, from what I've seen this far, I'm happy and uh, look forward to our first employee uh, boss meal, uh, Stacy. There you go. And some Brewster's ice cream afterwards. Get some barbecue and some ice cream. You'll be set. Right. <laughs> now, in terms of the uh, supply chain at Cox. It's uh, it's fascinating. Uh, as I mentioned uh, in the introduction, uh, we recently put the organizations together. So even though my team is technically based in Cox Communications and Cox Communications is my employer, uh, our job is to support the entire enterprise. And so that's fun because that means every day is is a different opportunity, a different challenge. Stakeholders across all of these businesses need stuff. And my organization's job is to figure out how to do that, how to get them the best possible uh, suppliers, how to negotiate the best deals, uh, make sure that our contracts that are in place, you know, that are robust and that offer great protection, not just for us, but for our suppliers. We really, you know, Cox, because of the culture that we have, we really value relationships. And so uh, we have some tremendous partnerships with suppliers, and we know that they're a vital part of uh, helping to keep our business going. If I break it into pieces, it starts with sourcing. We source uh, $3 or $4 billion worth of goods and services every single year. Uh, and of course, sourcing is, is the doorway in. And so back to the GMSDC, uh, how do I get that pipeline of, of, of entrepreneurs who happen to be minority owned? Um, and, and how do I get that pipeline and how do I facilitate um, bringing those opportunities to those businesses and finding the ones that are the right fit for Cox? Um, after sourcing, uh, then we actually have to buy stuff. Um, and there's a, a tremendous amount of investment that Cox has been making, particularly Cox Communications. We've been investing in the network literally billions of dollars per year to upgrade our network, to be able to keep increasing speeds, to making sure that we don't have congestion. Um, and then you touched a little bit on COVID, so I'm mixing this all together for you. But when COVID hit, the growth in our network in terms of traffic um, was exponential. What we would have normally projected to be growth over multiple years turned out to happen over months. And the reason for that growth was because everybody had to move online. Uh, this is a great example. You know, you were talking uh, before we started this call that this used to be a, a format that you would have done live and in person, and we would have done it in your studio. And here we are doing it on Zoom. Uh, and so all of this video going back and forth across the internet, that consumes a tremendous amount of bandwidth. And the interesting thing about video is that you've got downstream capacity. How fast can this, can this information get to you in your location, your home or your office. But now there's also this huge upstream requirement because we're pushing all this video back across the internet. Um, and so that 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 put a tremendous amount of uh, pressure on our network. Now, luckily, 
it is so well engineered and we'd been making such large investments that we were up to the task and that we uh, were able to maintain quality service to our customers. They weren't bogged down with congestion. Uh, we were actually able to increase speeds. I mean, there was a tr tremendous amount of work that uh, Cox did to, to deliver to their customers and particularly through COVID. Um, and supply chain was a, a, a huge part of that. We had to buy all of this material. We had to make sure that our construction folks could continue to go out there and, and upgrade the network, continue to add capacity, um, even add new connections and new areas that we hadn't served in the past. All of that construction uh, requires materials. And so we've got to buy the materials and we've got to bring it in. We've got to put them in warehouses. We've got to distribute them to our employees, to our contractors. Uh, so it's a pretty pretty cool supply chain. And then the, uh, the other thing that happens is, I'm not sure why, um, Every once in a while, we have a customer that leaves us. Now, I can't imagine why anybody would leave a cable company, period, and particularly why anybody would leave Cox Communications, because we love our customers, and most of our customers love us. But it does happen. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to chalk it up to maybe somebody moves, and they moved out of footprint, and so they, they had no time. There you go. Exactly. So when, when a customer does leave, though, now we've got this equipment uh, that we're going to take back from our customers, and we've got to do something with that equipment. And so we've got a whole reverse logistics um, capability that we also have in place. We take um, uh, what we call consumer premise equipment or CPE. We bring that material back in. We've got to be able to test that material. We've got to be able to repair it, refurb it, um, refresh it, given that there are software upgrades and whatnot, package it up and get it ready for the next customer. So uh, not only do I have sort of your normal forward logistics, but I also have a whole reverse logistics track uh, that we manage as well. So pretty exciting. Yes. Well, and, and Ben, as you know, yeah, please. If I may ask one question, Scott, real quick, George, um, you mentioned stuff and materials, obviously, over and over again. What does that makeup look like as far as the actual stuff? Like, what are those SKUs that you primarily are moving in your supply chain? Well, you know, there's 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 a, a, a lot of different parts, as you would imagine. But some of the big ones that you could you could sort of connect with when you think about cable, we talk about plant. First of all, we divide it up into a couple of buckets. So we have sort of what we call inside plant, and these would be uh, equipment going into things that we call, for example, MTCs or head ends, where we are generating, you know, the start of our ability to deliver a connection to a customer. So we have these facilities and we have gear in there that allows us to, uh, uh, there's something called a CMTS, which is, which is basically cable, uh, 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 cable modem termination system, um, and it is the start of how we deliver internet to our customers. So we've got a lot of gear that's going into these head-end locations, and then we've got something we call plant, and that is literally the physical plant that runs from the head-end across all the roads, through all the neighborhoods, to all of the businesses where we make the connection. So that, that as you would imagine, is either going to be coax cable, literally miles and miles and miles of coax cable, or it's going to be fiber. We've been investing a huge amount in fiber. And, and, and the way most cable companies operate is, is um, 
is is uh, an HFC plant, which is a hybrid fiber coax plant. So some of our plant is coax cable. Uh, there's been tremendous innovations that have happened over the last decades, frankly, but recently in particular, that make uh, delivering high-speed internet over coax cable very efficient and allow us to have tremendous capacity. Uh, but then we're also deploying a tremendous amount of fiber um, and making sure that, you know, that that gives us even more opportunities and, and, and even more speed. So you've got all the outside plant construction that has to take place to lay all of that cable. It can be underground in some locations or it can be above ground, you know, just depending on what type of market it is. And then finally, you have the equipment that goes into the business or customer, residential customer's home. So uh, one of the big ones is, is, is a gateway. You need a gateway, right? They, that coax cable connection plugs into the gateway, and now you've got a connection going all the way back to our MTC or head end where we can generate signals. We can push information across to your gateway, and then you're going to have stuff that you're pushing back into the gateway that goes all the way back to our head end. Um, and so all of that equipment is material that we're buying. So, Ben, before you take the baton here and start on this next segment, Stacy, I tell you what George just laid out there. Man, so many opportunities for MBEs and, and business leaders, right? Yes, absolutely. Yeah, lots of opportunities. And so that's what we do. George, George has, has a, you know, he understands completely, obviously, their supply chain. And, and they're sharing that with us, the, you know, the, what they need in terms of suppliers, what, you know, what are the categories. And then again, my job kicks in to say, let's bring the right folks to the table to help Cox be successful. So let me ask you one follow-up question. And Ben, I promise I'll, I'll, I'll pass the baton your way. No, no, I, I jumped in on you. So it's only fair, Scott. I think, you know, if you're a business leader, you know, in the Fortune 1000 or, or, or Fortune 5000, you name it, and you got the best of intentions, right, of providing folks opportunities that, that have not been included in some of these discussions and, and sourcing conversations, you name it. If you had to advise that business leader, just just one thing, maybe you see it time and time again, whether whether it's a best practice or if it's a mistake, right? And let's say maybe they're not based in Georgia, right? Maybe they're based uh, another part of the world even. What's, what's one piece of advice you give that business leader that really wants to take action and move the needle and give folks opportunities? That's that's a tough one. There's several things, but let me let me say this. I am part of a network of organizations. I'm part of the National Minority Supplier Development Council. And so there are 23 affiliates across the country. If you're not in Georgia, that's fine. But if you're whatever you are, there's somebody close that will service you. Get connected to that organization. George is George is a board member of the National Minority Supplier Development Council. We're we're nationwide. We've got global presence. So I encourage you to get connected to an organization that can help you, that can share best practices, that can help you on the journey. You know, there's no reason to go this alone. Mm. There are professionals that that know this space, that know what they're doing, uh, that can help you navigate and help you have impact in bringing opportunities to communities of color. So what I hear there is beyond the best of intentions, uh, there there are, there are resources that can help integrate that That's into exactly your correct. your infrastructure and your in your leadership and your operations. So I love that. Uh, and it's a good shout out to the uh, NMSDC, which we'll touch on here in a minute. Scott, okay, so Ben. Yeah. Scott, if I could just uh, maybe pile yeah. on for a minute, just because of the way that you yeah. set that up. Um, I think for, for companies that should have supplier diversity programs, best of intentions is just not good enough. Uh, right. You got to start by having a goal. If you don't have a goal, um, then you don't even have a program. Uh, at Cox, um, particularly in this in this last year and a half, there's been you know so much 
so much uh, challenge out there in the world, not just as it relates to COVID, but then also social unrest. Uh, and and yep. as an organization, we brought together uh, all of our leaders and really um, uh, spent a lot of time talking about what do we need to be doing as a company. Uh, now, the good news is Cox was already doing a lot and Cox had a huge commitment yes. to diversity to start with. But even with that, given everything that's going on in this country, um, we, we felt that we needed to do more. So we put this Action Speaks committee together and there's a lot of focus areas for Action Speaks. There are investments that we're making or contributions that we're making to organizations that are you know, fighting the good fight. And there was obviously employee diversity is hugely important. If your own employee makeup doesn't reflect the diversity you know, of, of the country and of the markets we serve, there's a problem. But then there's supplier diversity. And we set a goal that we're going to get to a billion dollars. We think a billion dollars in supplier diversity spend is a is a is a cool number. It's a big number, it's a meaningful number. So we're going to get to a billion dollars. And so back to your question, you know, best intentions not good enough. You got to be making a commitment and it starts with a goal. And then once you have a goal, then you've got to be able to measure the goal. And so that's where things like the GMSDC matter, because those certifications are how we can identify that we really are doing business with genuine minority owned businesses. And as a result, we use those certifications to be able to measure the results. So we got a goal. Now we got to measure it. We got to understand how how far from the goal are we and then what programs do we put in place? And even the programs, there's opportunities for for companies like Cox to work with Stacy and work with the GMSDC and say, I've got a goal. I've got a gap. I need help. And, and what are you going to do to 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 help me close my gap? Yeah, you got you got to turn to those credible third party um, agencies that can validate and really vet because there's a look as a veteran. And and having surveyed that the uh, the veteran services organization space for mm-hmm. you know mm-hmm. going on twenty years now, lots of reindeer games. Let's face it, a lot of reindeer games that go on that space, right? Shell game in some cases, not the not the to pickle anybody, but that's where that's where organizations uh, with what Stacy does and the GMSDC come into play to make sure that we're operating in defined, legit terms and helping the folks mm-hmm. that uh, have gone through and, and have been vetted. Right, Stacey, that, yes. would you agree me, with me? Scott, yeah, I agree with you 100, 100%. Let me tie a little bit to what George just said. Every year we do we do uh, economic impact. This year we took another step and we did uh, a look at the state of minority business in Georgia. And what we found was if we continue on the path that we're doing right now, it will take us 100 years to get to economic parity. Wow. But if each corporation commits to increasing their spend by 1% annually. I'm meeting you where you are. If you're at one, you go to two. If you're at two to three, three to four, we will get there in 15 years. And so we're going to be, you're going to see some things coming out about taking, taking the pledge, making the 1% commitment. We can get there in 15 years versus 100. Okay. Stacey, I've got some sports teams we need to bring y'all into and see if you can't help their performance uh, cut down and shorten that path to championships, but we'll save that for another discussion. All right, Ben. That is the perfect segue. I mean, it's just, it, we've talked so much about in and around, you know, how companies can do this, how it needs to be measured and so forth to George's point. But, you know, we get down to brass tacks, you know, what are some of those ways that you guys have worked together? You know, how are you leveraging each other? Are there any, tangible examples that our that our listeners can kind of sink into to understand you know 
um, where there might be opportunity for them? You, you know, one of the one of the things. Let me just. By the time this airs, this would have happened. For the state of Georgia, our governor, our cities and counties have declared Minority Business Opportunity Week, which will be September the 20th through the 24th. As part of that. Sorry, Stacy. October 20th to the 24th. September. No, it's September 20th through the 24th. Oh, I thought it was October. It's September. It's September the 20th through the 24th is Minority Business Opportunity Week. I apologize. And so Cox, Cox uh, took the lead in pulling together a consortium of some of the iconic brands, the the, the Coca-Cola Company, Delta, UPS, all working together, doing that week to put together a forum with their suppliers, with their prime suppliers, bringing their prime suppliers to the table, not just the company, but the big audacious companies that they do business with, bringing them to the table for them to bring opportunities to minority businesses. And so those are the kind of things, but but again, that's part of the history and who Cox is, as George talked about, the DNA of the company that makes us, again, when I think about them as a founder and they, it, it just, you have no idea. I'm truly appreciative of the support and the guidance and their leadership in this space. But those are the kind of things that they do. They don't have to do this but they do, and they set the bar high in how they do it. A uh, billion dollars, they're gonna be in the BDR. I'm gonna do everything I can to help him get there, and he will get there. All right, so Ben, man, uh, everyone needs to hear that, uh, the, the passion, the intent focus on uh, real action, connecting people f- for meaning with meaningful purpose to help grow their business in ways that um, they haven't had the opportunity to in, in, in recent decades, even, you know, however you want to go, uh, however far you want to go back and doing it, not in a hundred years, Ben, but doing it in 15 years or perhaps less. Stacy, who knows? Don't, don't sleep on Stacy or we'll blink and uh, they'll cut that goal in half. I don't know, but Ben, and there's a couple of just a final questions we've got for Stacy and George before I make sure folks know how to connect with them. Ben, we're, what else we want to ask this esteemed duo right here? Yeah, George, I wanted uh, to get your thoughts also on you know some recent opportunities. You know, working with Stacy, going back to those tangible op- opportunities, where uh, were there specific RFIs or RFPs or things of that nature where you guys were looking for specific services or suppliers or whatever that may be, where where Stacy was able to jump in and assist you guys? Yeah, I mean, there's there's one very uh, specific one, which is we we participate in the uh, mentor protege program that G- the GMSTC sponsors. So that's where um, Stacy will, and, and I'm not sure you, Stacy, you may want to speak to the process that you use to select the businesses on your side. Um, but you know, when we get to when we get to be a mentor to a, a minority-owned business, then we really uh, two things happen. I think from that, the first is you get to make a, a real really deep connection. So it's beyond just, hey, can you respond to the RFP and I'm going to hold you at arm's length and sort of evaluate you compared to everybody else. If you're going to have a mentoring relationship, you've got to really break down those barriers and start having, you know, conversations and treating each other like people. Um, so uh, so that that part of the program is cool. But the other is it's sort of a multiplier effect. So if I cannot just have that connection with a business from a mentoring relationship such that that business might be more successful with me as Cox, representing Cox, but can I help that business to be more successful in general so that 
you know, they're going to go out there and not just get my business, but get other companies' businesses. So we like that program with with uh, that the GMSDC offers. Uh, we actually have uh, a program that we call the SBLA, Small Business Leadership Academy, uh, and that's where we've actually partnered with organizations, uh, uh, universities in our markets. So we've done this in places like Las Vegas, for example, uh, where we have partnered with universities and they've developed a business curriculum for small businesses. And then what we do is we nominate our suppliers. Sometimes we also nominate some of our small businesses that are customers. So we actually look at both sides of it, but we nominate our small businesses and we give them scholarships to participate in the SBLA. And again, it sort of has that multiplier effect. We want these businesses to be successful. We want these businesses to grow. I mean, one of the reasons that we're in this and we think it's so important is that there's a huge wealth gap in this country. There's a huge gap, you know, in terms of inequality and how that wealth is distributed. And one of the reasons that that gap exists is because business ownership, you know, has been has lagged for minorities and 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 business ownership is one of the ways that you can build generational wealth. And we really want to support that. So anything that we can do, not just to make sure that our own dollars are flowing into those businesses, but that we're finding other ways to make those businesses successful. So when when um, Stacy talked about the um, I think we we called it the uh, the value chain voyage. This is where we are getting our prime suppliers. And I apologize for correcting you on yep. the date, Stacey. Exactly I had right. it wrong. I just happened to have a note here. So it's it's definitely my fault. Um, but that's where we're trying to bring in our prime suppliers and say there are reasons why these prime suppliers might still have to be the direct connection to Cox and, and that they are getting you know, our business directly. But then we want to encourage those suppliers to find minority-owned businesses that they can then rely on to help deliver the service, the goods or services that they're ultimately delivering to Cox. So we think tier two is another example of how we can amplify the effect we have and continue to, you know, continue to make sure that it flows through to these minority, minority-owned businesses. Now, as a practical matter, yeah, we are always eager to share the the calendar, if you will, of what RFP categories are coming up when. Um, I talked to you about how much we were investing in our network before COVID. And then when COVID hit, we had to increase that dramatically. Well, guess what? All of that activity that we have to have out there in the network, all that construction activity, those are are huge opportunities for minority-owned businesses. We we can't get enough of those businesses uh, right now. We need those services. Um, And so we are always eager to work with organizations like the GMSDC uh, share those um, those the calendar, if you will, of the different categories. When are we going to be, you know, when are we going to be running RFPs for this particular area, for these services, for these goods? And then, um, uh, you know, Stacy will help figure out across her uh, member base who are the members that are most likely to be successful and that can really help us. So, uh, on that note, uh, I know we we have mentioned and I appreciate you laying that out, George, and and uh, as much as I appreciate your passion. I even more appreciate uh, the, the real action and uh, the opportunities that clearly the Cox Communications okay. team, the Cox team, is um, is committed to. So we've got some a little celebration. I, I hear some recognition, some accolades, and I know that you probably have a big trophy case, uh, Stacy. I, I know it. I just send us a snapshot. I can only imagine. Uh, I, I feel like you can move mountains here. Um, but Ben, I believe the NMSDC, which we mentioned earlier has bestowed a pretty big honor here fairly recently to Stacy and the team, right? 
That's right. GMSDC, I believe, Stacey, I'm going to let her talk about it, but you guys were recognized as NMSDC Council of the Year a few years ago. So I guess my question uh, to you is, you know, what makes the Georgia, the GMSDC uh, so special compared to other chapters? You know what? I will tell you, I will, I can tell you that GMSDC, and our st- it's really the staff and it's really our corporate members and our MBEs. That's really what makes the difference. I've got the committed corporate partners like Cox. I've got some phenomenal minority business organizations. And, and, and really, the, the, the magic sauce all comes together with my staff. They're the ones day-to-day that make this happen. And so I will tell you, it's the, it's the whole GMSTC family that really makes this council one of the best in this network. Um, the commitment, the passion, the get it done, the, the impact, all of that rolled together is what really makes this what, what you know, uh, makes the impact on what we do every single day. We couldn't, again, I will stand up my corporate members and I tell the people in the network, I'll stand up my corporate members, my staff, my MBEs against any in this country. I'm telling you, they're big, bad, and audacious. <laughs> All right. So two quick thought questions and I promise that we'll, we'll bring y'all to a close. I'm sure y'all got about a thousand things going on. Um, so for MBEs that, that aren't a member that want to join, is it a pretty simple process? So they, they start by going to your website and applying? How, how does that work, Stacey? Yeah, they, they, they go to our website and start the process to get certification. It's never been defined as simple. So let me, let's just be totally transparent here as we get going. Probably, but, but Stacey, probably nor should it be, right? Because you're, that's you're exactly vetting correct. these folks. And you know what, Scott? You know what? I got a spot for you on my team. I see that. <laughs> let's do it. Let's do I it. I see potential here. <laughs> but no, you go to our website at www.gmsdc.org. And it says get certified. And it tells you everything you need. We host pre-certification briefings every single month to help you through the process. We we want pe- we want companies to be successful. Uh, companies like Cox uh, have, have supported our disaster relief fund from from the COVID, where we were we're paying for companies to get certified. We're supporting them, and so because you know again we're in interesting times, and so as a result we do some things differently. So again, if you're interested in getting certified, go to our website see what you need and we'll, we'll work with you taking it from there. Wonderful. And the website again was www.gmsdc.org. Wonderful. And we're going to have that in the links to show notes, one click away from, from easily starting the process. At least that seems to be pretty easy. And this one quick follow-up. I know this isn't your forte, but you know, there's been an explosion of veteran entrepreneurs uh, in recent years, which is a wonderful thing. And and there's also plenty of resources, as you pointed out earlier. Is there an organization that comes to mind that for folks that want to get certified as a veteran-owned business? Would you point those folks anywhere? I would. And you know, when when you said it, there's there's an organization that just certifies veterans. If somebody's interested in that, they can contact me uh, via our website and I will connect them. And I, I see, I see, I see his face, but I can't tell you his name off the top. We'll take it. And so but I will connect them. We'll, if somebody's interested from a veteran, send them my way. Well, you know I'll what? I wouldn't dare send anyone around you, Stacey. They're going to benefit from you being a part of their network and you'll probably brighten their day along the way. So we'll make that happen. Really. Absolutely. I really appreciate, um, you know, uh, it, it's a blessing to rub elbows with, with leaders that get it. They can't be about lip service leadership. It's got to be, it's got to be results. Uh, for all parties. Uh, so Thank I admire uh, both y'all's approach here. Let's, so I think we've got a, Ben, I think we 
know how to connect with Stacy, gmsdc.org. It'll be in the show notes. Uh, George, how can folks connect with you and the Cox team? Well, any any minority-owned business uh, can just go on our website at cox.com, uh, and they can they can there there is a section that we have for suppliers and specifically for diverse suppliers to fill out an initial form, introductory form, just just giving us the basic contact information, uh, and that uh, is always an interesting uh, uh, way to get started uh, because the initial or the immediate reaction that I'll get, uh, luckily not from Stacy, but that I'll get for most uh, MBEs or most minority-owned or diverse-owned businesses is that's not going to work. That's a black hole. I never get an answer. And we pride ourselves in making sure that anybody that registers with us will get contacted. Um, you know, it's always a challenge to figure out if the goods and services that somebody happens to offer is a fit for Cox, happens to be what we need when we need it. And so we can't guarantee that that's going to be the case. But anybody that goes and registers, uh, we will make sure that we make contact with. We we are highly motivated to do that. Um, in addition, people can reach out to me directly. I'm pretty straightforward. George Richter at Cox.com. Um, and uh, you know, I have I have uh, I'm not much of a social media type, so I don't I don't post an awful lot out there in the world. Uh, so usually, just direct communication is uh, is kind of the best best answer as far as I'm concerned. And they flag you down from as from twenty five thousand feet. Uh, in- <laughs> Absolutely, or meet me at an airport anytime. Love it. Okay, at uh, George Richter, Senior Vice President, Supply Chain Management, Cox Communications. Stacy Key, President, CEO, Fearless CEO of the Georgia Minority Supplier Development Council. Hey, really quick before we say uh, goodbye, Ben, appreciate you bringing this conversation together. Appreciate your efforts uh, and the chamber's efforts at at furthering uh, not just the Atlanta ecosystem. Of course, that's where y'all's focus is. But what's good for Atlanta is certainly good for industry, and Atlanta is a um, is a beacon for how things should work in many ways uh, globally. So, Ben, how can folks connect with you and the High Flying Metro Atlanta t- Chamber team? Yeah, Scott, I was going to say to your point earlier, Atlanta affects everything. I've seen that shirt on a couple of people here in Atlanta, so and I firmly believe in that. But if you do want to get in touch with me, I'm very active on LinkedIn. You know, at slash Benjamin J Harris one on LinkedIn. Uh, I'm not as active on Twitter as I used to be. I took a break. I like the break. I'm going to stay on break, I think, for Twitter. <laughs> uh, but yeah, I, I, if you want to get in touch with me, obviously, on a personal scale, too, Instagram's always fun at Benjamin J. Harris. Um, but yeah, email's great, too. That's, that's always my most, to, to George's point, love direct communication. It's just bharris at macoc.com, as in bharris at Metro Atlanta chamberofcommerce.com. Wonderful. And we'll have uh, that information posted. Appreciate what you do, Ben. Uh, ben here, it's a pleasure to co-host these series, one of our longest running series here at Supply Chain Now, all about Supply Chain City. Folks, if you do love Atlanta uh, and your business uh, in Atlanta and you love furthering the ecosystem here, make sure you use hashtag Supply Chain City. Uh, this is the supply chain capital of the known universe, at least uh, at this point in time. So Ben, Thank you so much. Ben Harris with Metro Atlanta Chamber. Uh, Chamber Again, Stacey Key with GMSDC and George Richter with Cox Communications. With that said, folks, hopefully you've enjoyed this conversation as much as I have. I've gotten a kick out of this. I've learned a lot. And we all have our blind spots. And, and sometimes you feel that in just by what you do. And other times you, you kind of deliberately feel that in. I've learned a ton. I feel like I've got a certification now after the last hour. Uh, hopefully you've enjoyed it as much as we have here. Most importantly, hey, be like George, be like Stacy, be like Ben. 
challenge you to do good, give forward, be the change that's needed. Take action today. And on that note, we'll see you next time right back here on Supply Chain Now. Thanks, everybody. Thanks for being a part of our Supply Chain Now community. Check out all of our programming at supplychainnow.com and make sure you subscribe to Supply Chain Now anywhere you listen to podcasts and follow us on Facebook, LinkedIn, Twitter, and Instagram. See you next time on Supply Chain Now. Supply Chain Now.